This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. Let's open our Bibles tonight and let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 4. And I want to pick up tonight where we left off. And uh, this, this is an amazing study for me. And I hope that it is and has been for you as well. So uh, I tell you what let's do. Let's read verses 1 and 2 as we launch into verse 3 tonight. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1. For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves. And we talked about that last week with the whole armor of God. As the scripture says in Ephesians, that we can withstand the wiles of the evil day and having done all to stand, is what the word says. Arm yourselves likewise with the same mind, for he that suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. That should be a daily a daily priority for us that we are living and breathing every single day to be in the will of God. And now tonight our scripture, <clears throat> for the time past of our life. Now, I, I look at this first sentence here tonight, and it's something that we all identify with. For the time past of our life. All of us have a past, every one of us. I'm sure, and I've said this many times, that if we had the opportunity to go back and change some things in our life, do some soul searching tonight. Would you do it? If you had an opportunity, if I had an opportunity to go back tonight and relive a year, a particular year, or a particular day, or a particular season, would there be something in our life tonight that if God supernaturally, miraculously would give us the opportunity to go back and turn the time on father time, so to speak, and change something, I, I tell you, I would be at the front of the line. I, I would say, start with me, God. Give me that chance. Give me that opportunity. Let me go back and relive it, redo it. Because if, if I had known then what I know now, I would like to think that I would have taken a different path. And so all of us have this thing about a past. And so it, here's the thing. In our past, obviously there was a time when we didn't know the Lord. There was a time when we didn't serve the Lord. We didn't know about the things of God. And so, as an unbeliever in our past, there were times and seasons where things occurred in our life where we may have, in our mind and in our hearts, got away with some stuff. In our past, as an unbeliever, but listen carefully. That does not work for the child of God. When we were out of the family, when we were unadopted, when we were in the world, and we lived life 
sown to the flesh, so to speak. And, and there were the pleasures of sin for a season. In our hearts and our minds, we might feel like we could wipe our brow and say, man, I snuck by on that one. But I want to caution those of you that are watching tonight, please listen carefully. I want to caution us as we study this because the rest of the verse says, for the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles. All right, that's talking about unbelievers here at the point. When we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries. I'm going to go through all of that in just a minute and tell you what each one of those represent. But I will tell you, as a child of God, we are not going to sneak by. As a child of God, there is accountability. And this is where the Scripture launches us in tonight. Thank God what's in our past is in our past if it's under the blood, and I'm going to give you some scriptures for that. Praise God for that. Confess sin remains under the blood. If we deal with, with, with the past, the troublesome times of the past in our life, we have to recognize this. Yes, there are certain consequences that are applicable to that. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. But I will tell you that when it is in God's hands, it is under the blood. I promise you that the Holy Spirit is not the messenger of Satan to buffet you. That's not how it works. In fact, the word says this in 1 John 1 9 that, and you're very familiar with this scripture, that if we confess, and that's conditional, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So what does God do with confession? Sincere repentance, confession. What does he do with it? Does he, does he dangle it in front of our Life, whenever we backslide and, uh, oh, yeah, you know, you used to walk close to me, but you remember back in 1972, you remember this stuff? That's not the way God works. When it's confessed, it is forgiven. And, and so what does God do with the forgiveness of, of the wrong turns in our life, sin? What does he do with that? Well, I want you to see this, and I have from time to time, periodically in our teachings, given you two of the most, I think, classic scriptures in all of the Bible. What does God do with our confessed sin? There is a scripture that you may have difficult finding, of difficult time finding tonight, but I want to give it to you. It's in Micah chapter 7. They will get the scripture here on the screen for you. But what does God do with our confessed sin that is in the blood of Jesus? Read these words with me tonight. Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth? You see, only God can forgive sin. Only he is capable of forgiving sin. Only he can pardon iniquity. Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? And look at this. 
He, that's in reference to God. He retaineth not his anger forever. Aren't you glad for that? Aren't you glad that God just is not a bully in the sky and somebody that we can never reason with? The scripture says, come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord of hosts in Isaiah. But look at this. He retaineth not his anger forever because he, God, delighteth in mercy. Now look at verse 19. He will turn again. He, God, will have compassion upon us. Aren't you glad he didn't throw the clay away? He will have compassion upon us. He, God, will subdue our iniquities. And look at this. This is what I want you to see right here. And thou will cast all their sins. Have you ever heard the term, the sea of forgetfulness? God will cast our sins. Look at this. And thou will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. God will do that. Confessed sin under the blood. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So confess sin under the blood. Here's what God does with it. He's not storing up sins in heaven that's been confessed and placed under the blood for us to reckon with at the judgment seat. That's not what God's doing. As we confess our sins, we come before him, we repent, we confess. It's under the blood. God places them in the depths of the sea. But I want you to see something else here in Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse number 34. Write this word. In fact, you should be writing down these two passages of Scripture, this passage in Micah and the one here that I'm going to give you now in Jeremiah chapter 31. You should write it in the, in the white. If your Bible has white blank pages that are there for you to make notations or to get preachers to sign for you or you to make special uh, notations of memories, whatever it is, you've got blank white pages in the margin of your front of your Bible, the back of your Bibles, by the maps or whatever it is. These two passages of Scripture you should have down because it talks about the seer forgetfulness. And it talks about God remembering no more our sins. Look at this. You, you need this Scripture right here because the devil will torment you with a past. And when he does, you need to be able to read yourself in the scriptures, Micah chapter, these verses right here, then Micah, the Micah chapter, and then this one here in Jeremiah. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. Paul said that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. For they shall all know me. My sheep know my voice. And they follow me for the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord. Look at this. For I will forgive their iniquity, their sin, their transgressions. And, and notice this. And I will remember their sin no more. So God takes our sins and places them in the sea. This, 
When you read this, I will forgive their sin and remember them no more. That's talking about the forgetfulness of God. God doesn't remember confessed, repented sin. He doesn't do that. And so if he doesn't remember them, what does he do with them? You just read in Micah, he places them in the depths of the sea. Now, unconfessed sin for a believer, we just dealt with the confessed repentance of the believer. But when a believer refuses to confess his sins, refuses to put them under the blood, then that's another story. In fact, Hebrews chapter 12 teaches us that. And I want you to see tonight uh, the consequence for refusing the Holy Spirit and the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And in Hebrews chapter 12, let's notice beginning in verse 3, and we're going to read all the way down through verse number 11. So guys, stay with me back there if you will. For consider him, and you know what? I probably have preached a half a dozen messages on those three words. For consider him. That endured such contradiction of sinners. He was set before us. And he endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. He endured contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, look at this. He's talking about believers. Despise not thou the chastening of the Lord. And I will tell you this, I have known many Christians in my life who've sat under my ministry, who've been in this church, that because of some riotous living, symbolizing the same lifestyle that the prodigal got himself into, I have seen it and I have faced it with tears and brokenness, trying to retrieve them and trying to uh, pray them back and, and to love them back. But I have seen people that have got themselves into some form of riotous living. And then when God begins to deal with it because they have said, no, 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 I'm going to do it my way. And they have refused the conviction, the restraining of the Holy Spirit, and they have penetrated or they have broken through his cautionary measures in our life. I've seen them get mad at God, but they don't say I'm mad at God at first. What they say is this, that brother didn't speak to me. That sister didn't talk to me. I can't believe they're doing this down there in that church house. Here's the thing, that when a person gets out of sorts, they blame it's sort of like our government today. People in charge are blaming everything under the sun except, hey, this is because I made a bad decision. So here's the thing. People get all out of source and they begin to blame this, 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 and the other. And then it has a way where it maneuvers to me, that preacher, and he, and this. And then it, it goes to the throne. Then they get mad at God. And before you know it, 
They're completely out of church. And let me tell you, I know Sunday school teachers, former Sunday school teachers, that do not even attend church today. Who used to be fervent, not only teaching Sunday school, working in all these programs, singing in the choir. I, I, I can count them on two hands. I can, listen, I know it to be true. And they despise correction or chastisement of the Lord. But look at this. Son, despise not the chastening of the Lord. The Lord knows how to get our attention and knows how to deal with us. Despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. So let me say, well, let me go back to that verse one, just for a moment here. The evidence of salvation. If you, if you've ever had the devil to play with your mind and you have, you know, there was a time in your life when you got saved. Maybe it was with a child, maybe in your childhood, or maybe it was in your teenage years. Maybe it was in your young adult years. Maybe it was in the military. Maybe it was in the older seasons of your life. I don't know, but you know that there was a time when the power of God fell on you and you felt Holy Spirit conviction. You knew, you understand that you could not go to heaven without Jesus, without his sacrifice on the cross, without his blood, without the resurrection. You know all of that would not be possible for you to go to heaven had Christ not done that. And you knew there was a time that you had to repent and confess and you had to open your heart. You had to open the door of your heart. Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. There was a time when you realized what it was all about. You gave your heart. And you may not have understood it. And to tell you this tonight, I got saved when I was five years old back in 1963. But let me tell you this. I didn't understand it all then. What can a five-year-old child understand? I did not understand. This is what I understood. I understand, and I understood that there was a man named Jesus. He died on the cross for me. God raised him from the dead, and I could not go to heaven without letting Jesus in my life and my heart, and I was going to go, die and go to hell without him. That's what I knew. But I didn't understand it all then, and I'll tell you the truth now. I don't know that I fully understand it now. This is what I know. I love him because he first loved me. That's what I know. So when you think about this, the evidence of salvation, if the devil is playing with your mind, we're out of time. If the devil ever plays with your mind and you begin to lose the assurance of your salvation, you lay in the bed at night and you toss and turn with nightmares or, or scared thoughts and you begin to think you're not saved. How could you be saved? How could a saved person think this, do this or whatever? And, and the devil's just making havoc in your mind and he's stressing you and your heart is troubled. And, and you're saying, did I really get saved then? I, I, I thought I did. I felt I did, but there's something. Listen, now I'm not telling you to refuse the Holy Spirit. I'd rather somebody walk this aisle a hundred times and get it right once. Then the, for me to say, hey, get back to your seat. You got saved in 1976, so you don't need to worry. Listen, don't ever do that. If God the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and saying you're not saved, if it's God the Holy Spirit, how do you know it's the Holy Spirit or how do you know it's the devil playing with your mind? The Bible says try the spirits and see if they be of God. 
So here's the thing. The evidence of salvation, how do you know? If you claim to be saved, how do you know that you're saved? This one verse right here can settle the issue for you. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Let's finish it out. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. To many that received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. John 1.12. Look at this. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without, look, here it is right here. If ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then ye are bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. In this last verse, now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous nevertheless afterward if yielded the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. I don't have time to go into another verse with this tonight. We'll see this next Wednesday night. But I will tell you this. If you, if you can sin, open, openly sin without an ounce. I'm not talking about a conscience. Most people have one. There's a difference between being open to a conscience moving you and human frailties, and then the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. Two different things. If you, as a, if you, you can sin without any conviction, number one, and number two, without any chastisement, those verses cleared it up. Because if you are saved, God is not going to let that go on. God's going to deal with it. And he will, there, there are seasons of how he deals with it. You have to remember this, that he is long-suffering. The most important thing in the fatherhood of God is that we bring honor and glory to his name. We remain in a a position that we can bring him glory. And if we're drifting, if we're not where we need to be, God will take different measures in our life to bring us back. He'll whip the living daylights out of us. And if he has to do it here, 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 he knows how to get our attention. Then there will come a place when the Holy Spirit put us on a shelf. But a person that can live in open defilements of sin and have no conviction or chastisement in their life. I'm not the one that's going to be the judge. 
But the scripture says, you should know them by the fruits. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.